Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good e- evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. Tonight, I'm co-hosted by Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, how are you? I'm peachy keen. How are you? I'm great. Excellent. I'm fabulous. So, how was your week? My week was great. My week was great. Um, you know, a lot of crunch stuff to do in preparing for the presentation, but last night, I had... Uh, um, I play for the Philadelphia Falcons as a gay soccer team here in Philly, and we had our annual awards banquet where they give away, you know, different awards and they introduce you to the new board, uh, you know, the board members of the club. And I am uh, the marketing director for the club this year. So, you know, we kind of went and did that whole kind of thing where it's nice to get the history of everything. And then I had my brother-in-law's surprise 40th birthday last night also after that awards party. So it was fun. It was, it was good to see family. Oh, Good. I was I was, was actually good. I was looking at your pictures by the way. <laughs> On Facebook? And yeah, you have some goofy pictures there, dude. That's okay. You I'm have your little hat pictures. on, look kind of cockeyed and you're all like bent over like look at my butt and you're all smiling. <laughs> now you're gonna make people go to my Facebook page and we want them to stay here with us on Pause Iron Radio. <laughs> He's all like, look at my butt, boys. Look at my butt. Yeah, I got a soccer butt. Look at my butt. Yeah. <laughs> Slut. Yeah, how was your week? It was good. We went and saw In the Heights last night. Yeah, how was it? Oh, fantastic. So if anybody has a chance, to, if you're in New York or, or you see if the, the, the touring show comes through, um, you have to go see In the Heights. It was wonderful. It was just Fantastic. It was good. Anyway, I could go on and on and on. Yeah, but I'm sure. um, so so uh, I, I guess we have Mr. Daddy Dab Gardner coming on with us. Yes, I'm I'm excited to have him um, uh, join us again. Um, he's been on the show a few times, and I, he even co-hosted a I believe it was a Wednesday afternoon show when we used to do it biweekly. A show with me a few times, I think. Um, I think we did one about the importance of ADAPT and why it was so important. So, um, you know, at the 30-year mark, um, just with everybody now knowing that AIDS is hitting 30 years, um, with Anderson Cooper and everything that we've seen, I would like to hear, you know, a lot of what Dab has to, to talk about because his story is, is a personal story of 30 years where you didn't really see that on the Anderson Cooper story. You saw more of the statistics and what it all kind of fell about. And I kind of – I like hearing – personal stories is just more relatable and it and it mm-hmm. kind of puts a face to it and dad's been doing it for so long and he's well, such a hero you know what i mean and it's amazing when you look at dab you wouldn't even think that he was over 32 so i mean it's like how no, could he not even have you know what's that not not a day not a day over 32 you look at him and you're like oh he's so gorgeous so i have to get this out of my system before he calls in you see okay <laughs> yes, I'm getting it out, getting it out, getting it out, because I have a tiny little crush. Um, but uh, just, a, well, it's not tiny, I, nothing. Anyway, I'm going down the wrong path there. No, but, that's um, fine, that's fine. <laughs> so, um, so, yes, I, you know, I was just at my board meeting um, uh, for, we were at a board retreat yesterday, yesterday morning for four hours. That was fun. And, um we were actually talking about 30 years of HIV and in in all of this and um and I actually talked about dab a little bit which is kind of funny and and I just because I said do you all remember the bear and they all said oh yeah you were taking so many pictures with that damn bear and I said yes that damn bear <laughs> so they you know the the board members uh, of the ASO that I uh sit on remember and we were talking about it and talked about dab and talking about what we're going to be doing here in in uh North Carolina um 
about, you know, do you say celebrate? I don't think you do. I, I think think what we're trying to say is, you know, um, recognizing that this is 30 years going on, this is the 30th year of, of HIV AIDS, and we still have no cure. We still have no vaccine. And, um, and oh, look, I, I see Dab in the, in the, in the, in the, Switchboard. Cool. <laughs> you want to bring him on? Like he wants to come on. <laughs> I, he's like he's raising his hand. It's like okay, make that boy shut up. Bring him on now. So 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 let me just do a, a little uh, yeah. a recap before we bring him on. Um, okay. For people who don't know, if you're newly diagnosed and you're listening to this live or in the archive, this is going to be one of those shows that is going to really move you. Um, Dad was one of the first Americans diagnosed um, with with GRID back in the, in the early 80s is what they called it was GRID. And pretty much back then it was um, considered a death sentence. And at the age of 19, he was told that he wouldn't live to be 20 years old and celebrate his 20th birthday. So yeah. that is why I say he's celebrating 30 years past that mark of being told that he wasn't going to live past that. So this is a story that's really going to, to touch you in, in many ways. <laughs> And that didn't sound good, but we welcome Dab Garner to the show. Welcome, Dab. Good evening, guys. How are y'all doing? Good evening, Dab. Good. We're hoping that you're going to touch us. Oh, well, yeah. be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Don't make Yay. me bring up California, Jeremy. Oh, oh, well, we'll move past. We'll move past. And then that's we'll save that for another show. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh. oh goodness. Well, how was your week? Um, it, it was good. It was very long. Um, we we've been dealing with the ADAP crisis here in Florida, where we have over three thousand people on the ADAP waiting list. And we finally got some more funding um, approved. It hasn't gotten to the state yet. Um, I've also been in Tallahassee working on the deal with Well Vista to get um, the medicines for people that were already on ADAP because our state ran out of ADAP funding. So we were facing the possibility that people would have to go up to two months without their medications. <clears throat> but since we got the deal through with Wall Vista, people will now get their medications this month and next month till the new fiscal year starts on April the 1st. Right, so oh, I was very much involved in, in, in ADAP and with the crisis in Florida when we went and did the, the summit in Fort Lauderdale, um, you know, I got to, to see Dab again and uh, um, you know, seeing work is magic. Everybody was going up there and getting bears. I, so many people left with bears in their hands, Dab. And um, I want you to touch a little bit about kind of how Dab the AIDS bear started, because I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of callers in tonight who want to talk to you. So what I want is you to, to talk a little bit about what it was like when you were when you were first diagnosed and, and how that was kind of from where you are today in a short roundabout kind of way. <laughs> sure. Um, well, well, it all started in my life when a very close friend of mine started getting purple lesions on his skin, and he was only 25 years old. Well, back then, no one knew what KS was. It was very uncommon for someone to catch that form of cancer. It was normally only seen in people from the Mediterranean. Well, he was put into quarantine, so no one could visit. Now, for the listeners out there that have only known about HIV for a short time, I want you to imagine your best friend or the person you love being put in quarantine where you can't go visit them and how hard and devastating that is, much less that I was 18 going on 19 at that time. So it, watching someone with tubes coming out of every part of their body, watching them cry in the bed because no one could go in to visit them. Even the doctors and nurses wore these protective suits to go into the room. 
So there was no human touch. There was no human compassion. And it just ripped my heart out. So I decided to run out and get him a teddy bear. Stuck a little note in with the teddy bear telling him, yeah, I wish I could be in there. I'm sorry. You know, know that I love you. And it gave him something to hold on to. And then about four days later, he passed away. A couple months after that, my first partner came down with what is called PCP, which was also very uncommon in young people back before HIV. It's caused by a compromised immune system. So then I had to watch the person I love more than anything who helped me come out of the closet as a teenager be put into quarantine. I mean, I begged. I I tried to break into quarantine. They hauled me back out. And all I could do was give him a teddy bear to let him know I loved him while I stood outside that window and watched him as he died. Mm. And then a couple months after that, I came down with PCP. So I knew personally what it was like to be placed into quarantine, how lonely it feels, how scared you are, that you're not going to make it out. I've already watched two people I cared about die. How just the total lack of empathy and care from the professionals, I realized they didn't know how it was spread at that time. They were just protecting themselves. But when you're the person stuck in quarantine, it's devastating, especially when you think you're never going to get out of there alive. So I was lucky. My immune system was still strong enough to where I recovered. In fact, I think I was the second, first or second person. I was the first person in San Francisco to make it out alive. And I think I was the second in the country to make it out of quarantine alive. So that's how I started giving people teddy bears. And that's kind of how it evolved into, you know, Dad the Ape Fair. I mean, now, hearing that story and seeing now what Dad the Ape Fair is and having all these people all over the world, Dad, holding these teddy bears and taking photos, and you see it. I mean, with, with Facebook now, you can see it even more than ever before, how many people do this. What does that, what's that, that has to move you in a way that I can't even probably, you probably can't even describe. I, it, it, I, I'm amazed by the love that people have shown for the bear over the decades. When I go speak at AIDS walks and AIDS rides and conferences, I have people especially long-term survivors or friends of long of people that passed away that will come up to me and tell me their story about the bear or their loved one's story of the bear or how their partner was cremated with their bear or buried with their bear. And it, it touches me profoundly because so many people have shared their story. Um it, I always hoped that the bears would bring comfort and let people know that they were loved because especially in the beginning of this epidemic, if people think stigma is bad today, it's and it is still around, I'm not saying that it's not, but the stigma in the 80s was deafening. You could lose your friends, your job, your housing, and your health all within a matter of a couple of days. Mm. So for some people, that bear meant everything because it was unconditional love. Mm. So I have my bear. And um, I, I was, when did I get, 
the bear from you, Dab. I got it a couple of years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, golly. <clears throat> Have we known each other that long? And don't bring up California now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I remember going in with the bear because I you gave you gave me two, one for a child, right, and and then of course one for me, which I try to take as many places as I can. And I can remember the look on the kid's face. And the the parents didn't want me to bring in pictures or, you know, a camera or anything to document because, you know, that was their choice. It was their kid. So I, I said, okay. But the look on this little kid's face when I gave him the bear, he just lit up. It was around Christmas time, and he just lit up. And, and Yeah, it, it, it did. It broke my heart, and it was hard to talk. It was hard to – I couldn't talk about it for the longest time because it was just – but it's that, it really is that impact that, you know, it's just the smallest things make the biggest change. Well, and I think especially for the kids, because my start with the children goes back to 1985. Um, my second partner and I were very out about her status. I had already been arrested for chaining myself to the gates of the White House when President Reagan wasn't saying the words HIV and AIDS. <laughs> so pretty much everybody knew I was positive. Um, and the little girl was born in San Francisco, San Francisco General. Her mother had been a prostitute. They didn't know who the father was. And the mother passed away about 10 days after she was born. Well, she was also born with alcohol fetal syndrome, which caused her to be born disfigured. And as you can imagine, in the 80s, no one wanted a child with HIV, much less one that was disfigured. So we were contacted by the Department of Health, and we went in, met the little girl. Her name was Candace. And having watched for five years, well, a little over four years, my friends dying, there was no way I could say no to being a... We couldn't legally adopt her, even in San Francisco back then, but we could be foster parents. And they had told told us that she probably would only live six months. Mm. Well, there was no way... I mean, even the nurses didn't want to touch this little girl. So uh, there was no way else we were going to leave her there. So we brought her home with us, and she ended up making it to almost age five before the HIV and other problems that she had finally caused her to pass away. But because of her, I'd met the other kids that went for treatment And it's kind of how our children's event, the Teddy Bear Touchdown, started. Because she brought so much joy. I mean, I was very young when we got her. I was in my, I think I was 24, and my partner was 29. And she taught me so much about love unconditional love because when I looked at her I didn't see the disformities I saw a little girl that had been given a raw deal Uh and all she wanted was to be loved and when she was in the hospital the last time the only thing she wanted she always had her teddy bear with her And she asked me to make other kids feel loved like I'd made her feel loved. And that's the whole reason I started the Christmas party for kids with HIV and AIDS called Teddy Bear Touchdowns. Wow. Well, we had been a young couple, so I had to shop for her Christmas all year long and budget the presents. 
So already when she passed away in August, I already had most of her Christmas presents bought for that year. So I took them and distributed them to the other kids at the clinic where she was, she and they were treated. Wow. Mm. Sorry, That's I'm having to collect movement. my, I'm I'm having to collect my composure for a minute. <laughs> I'm so uh, glad we do this on the radio because you put I, I would look like Tammy Faye Baker on the jeez. I I totally understand it. to this day it is hard for me to talk about her. Um and my second partner passed away 3 months after she did and I have a very hard time talking about that. Um but it's important that people realize that before we had medications, we had to fight to stay alive. And that's the big difference between now and then, is when people had HIV before 1996 and before protease inhibitors, before entry fusion inhibitors, we had to fight. We had to fight for the funding. We had to fight for the American Disability Act. We had to fight to stay alive and keep a roof over our head. The way that AIDS service organizations started was so many gay men with HIV were disowned by their families. So when they died, they left what they had left to take care of the people that were currently living and dying with HIV. Until we got Ryan White funding approved in 88 and the funding started in 89, all the money came from people that had died with HIV. And, you know, and, and I, I have to say, it, it, and, I, and I'm going to jump around just for a minute in my thinking here, in my thought process, but... You know, I, I, it's really important, I think, for for everyone to hear this because um, now I'm going to jump to today because we were just talking about this on Saturday about that we're seeing many more young people, and when I say young people, we're saying 18, 19, 20, 22 year olds coming up as positive, and because they don't see the, they don't see what happened. 25 years ago, 30 years ago. They're seeing what's happening today where, oh, it's no big deal. I can just take a pill for that. So, you know, it's as heartbreaking as all of this is, it's so important, you know, that that we have people listening and, and hearing this story because, Deb, you, have, you bring this, amazing energy across with you even even though we're on the phone and you even do it when you're online it, it's so important that people hear this because it, it, it we can all go back to this in a matter of months or years if the funding isn't there well and i hate to scare people and if you're listening to this and you're newly diagnosed, if nothing else, hopefully this will get you active. Because, Jeremy, you're right. The whole reason I started our current organization, Dab the AIDS Bear Project, and not just our children's event, not just the teddy bear, is we have had waiting lists for AIDS drug assistance program in our country since 2003. Five people died in 2003 on the waiting list, um, Kentucky, and I believe Virginia. And as a long-term survivor, I was like, oh, no, not while I have a breath in my body. <laughs> Am I going to let people with this virus die and not raise some hell about it? And unfortunately, for the past eight years, there has always been a waiting list somewhere in our country. And now we have more people on a waiting list, over 6,000, and 10, different, 10 or 11 different states that have to pull up the latest report. 
Half of those are in Florida. Now, we have more problems coming up because this, this year is going to be even worse than last year. The funding we're getting on the federal level is not increasing enough. The level we're getting from the states because of the economy problems is almost nil. Some states are even cutting back. I've heard of some states are totally cutting their HIV prevention money. Our community is in more danger than it has been since 1996. And then we have Ryan White. See, we have to get this renewed through the federal government every two to four years. This last time when I worked with Senator Kennedy, we got it approved for four years. Well, we're almost halfway through that four-year period. And there's no guarantee that it will get renewed this next time because Senator Kennedy was always the champion for us getting this renewed. And he's not there anymore. That's right. So people have to wake up. And because without this funding, half the people living in our country depend on this funding to keep themselves alive. And the scary news is is that I found out yesterday that North Carolina has, the state where I live, has decided that after March they are not going to be accepting any new enrollments, period. Oh, several states have done that now. So, which means that, yes, we won't have a waiting list, but... You also can't there, – there's no opportunity. So, you know, it, it, it's it's in bad, bad shape right now. And unfortunately, it's only going to get worse. And Louisiana has done the same thing that North Carolina has done. Mm-hmm. Um, California is getting ready to do the same thing. They don't want to have the country know that they're not taking care of people with HIV. So they just – are capping us. Oh, sorry. Yep. We already have all we can take care of. Yep. So that's one of the reasons I moved to South Florida is we have the highest new infection rates of HIV in the country. And I'm working with Department of Health, especially geared toward young gay men, new prevention programs. And I also work with the other communities, the African-American community, the women's community, the Hispanic community. But as a gay man, it's even more important to make sure a whole other generation of gay men don't have to go through what I've had to go through for three decades just to keep myself alive. Right. And unfortunately... In public schools across our country, kids are basically being told that HIV, oh, it's like having diabetes, take a medicine. That's they exactly don't go it. In, they don't go into the cost, the side effects, the long-term effects, the stigma, and kids are being sent the wrong message. Now, I realize we have to be very careful creating prevention methods that we don't further stigmatize people already living with HIV. But at the same time, I believe we have a responsibility to help people realize that they don't want this. Some people think, oh, well, I get this and I get all these things from the government. Uh-uh. Yeah, that's not It don't work that way. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Yep. No, not at all. Um, And we have some uh, questions in the chat room. Um, They were asking about how they get a Dabby AIDS fair. If anyone listening would like to go and get your own Dabby AIDS fair, you're going to go to www.dabbyaidsfairproject.com. And you can purchase your Dabby AIDS fair right there. Right. Uh, You just click on Make a Donation. It's on the left-hand side, and page to the bottom of the page, and 
click on the Dab the AIDS Fair, and you can pick out which one you want, and the donation amount includes shipping and handling. There you go, and, and, and it's great because what people do, well, we'll talk about what people do online with them later. But let me bring callers because we have them um, on here lighting up the switchboard. Area code 434, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, guys, it's uh, Tom Donahue from Charlottesville, hey. Virginia. Hey, Tom, uh, how are you? Yeah, I know... Uh, Good, good guys. Um, Deb, I, I just wanted to say that uh, I know I've relayed this to you on on Facebook and things like that, but uh, you uh, are very much an inspiration um, to me and to many many other people out in this country. <clears throat> um, and the biggest thing that I would like to say is that we cannot forget the struggles um, that all of the um, you know, advocates and activists before us have gone through to get us to this point to where we are today. And, um, you know, I just wanted to say that every time I hear your story, um, just gives me chills. And uh, you are, you know, very close to me. Um, and I just wanted to say um, that, like I said, you're a big inspiration to many people out there. So thank you done and the work that you'll continue to do. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. It's great to talk to you. I hope you had a great time in Washington D.C. last week. I uh, I actually did have um, a great time in D.C. last last week, but I can't I can't tell you, and I'm a bad um, um, I, I totally forgot my bear, so please don't tell me. <laughs> but um, I, I shared your story, and uh, you came up uh, quite a bit uh, at uh, some of the meetings that we had. And I just think that it's it's an easy, constant reminder of the struggles um, that you went through and that so many other people before us went through. Um, and the teddy bear just kind of um, brings a softer side to what, uh, you know, was was obviously a very difficult time for you, especially, you know, at, now that I've heard your, you know, you tell this story so many times, it's um, it, it's just something you can't forget, and the feeling that you feel every time that, you know, one hears your story and the stories of so many other people conveyed through you and the bear, um, you just can't feel, you just can't forget those feelings and the chills that you get, uh, the struggles that everyone before us um, had to go through. So again, uh, thank you very much for everything that you do. You're definitely an inspiration to many people. Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, thanks for calling into the show, man. I appreciate it. So so what people do is they go and they take photos with the dad, the AIDS bear, all over the world, and, you know, they put them as their profile photos on Facebook. And, and it's really, really cool. And, I mean, people are doing everything, and dad, the AIDS bear is with them. So you can go to uh, dadtheaidsbearproject.com and get your own dad, the AIDS bear, and start doing that and connect with dad and um, dad, the AIDS bear project on Facebook. Um, but... I want people to call in and share maybe your experience, you know, what your experience sharing Dad the AIDS Bear. For me, I take it on the AIDS walk with me when I go, and it allowed me this last AIDS walk to actually have a conversation with an older lady who was there during the walk because um, her friends had passed away. And I was able to then share a piece of history that she was unfamiliar with, and it really touched her in a way that, like, she had a tear in her eye when we were done. And that's the kind of thing that Dad the Age Bear does. It sparks conversations, and like Tom was saying, it really gives a softer touch, uh, gives a softer way to get into, you know, such a heart-wrenching story. Uh, and I think it's a wonderful thing that you do, Dad. But my lines are lit up, so let me bring more people on. Um, <laughs> area code 904, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Robert, it's Harvey. Hey, Harvey, hey, how are you, man? Hi, Deb. Hey, buddy. How you doing? How you doing? Doing um, all right. Doing all right. Deb, I'm up here in Philadelphia. Been here for about five days, uh, checking out uh, how to set up more uh, community HIV testing areas. Working with them in that, uh, and had a little bit of a chance to discuss the AIDS Bear Project today with a group of teenagers. Oh, fantastic. So, uh, uh, I'm going to be coming back up in a couple of months, and we're going to be doing uh, mobile rapid testing in the Germantown area of the city. And hopefully by that time I'll be certified in Pennsylvania to help with them also. 
Great. We're going to keep spreading the message, and I'm going to have to pick up some more bears before I leave Jacksonville to bring with me again. Uh, just see Heather. Heather has some at the office. Okay. All right. Well, thanks I'll for also, everything you do. I'll also have some with me at the Positive Living Conference. Okay. All right. Great. All right. Thanks, Deb, for everything. Thank you, for sweetie. The years of friendship, hon. Oh, you too, sweetie. Take care. Okay. Thanks for calling in, Harvey. Sure. All right, next caller, area code 954. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello, you're on the air. We have two 954s, so there's somebody. Speak now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll mute that person. How about the other 954? (laughs) What's your name and where are you calling from? Hello? Last four digits are 0910. That would be me. Okay. All hi. right. <laughs> Who's this? <laughs> hi, this is Dyer. Hey, sweetie. Hi, Sam. I, I saw Facebook, and I just wanted to say um, happy anniversary. <laughs> oh, thank you. And, thank you. And um, I'm definitely looking forward to um, seeing you at that other event as, you know, as the life size tab. So, um <laughs> So uh, I, I just wanted to call in and you just uh, pretty much say, you know, that, that just like everybody's been saying, you are a huge inspiration and, uh, you know, that you, you really inspire, you know, people to do better and to know oh, better. Thank, thank you so much, Dar. And don't forget, we're having the party here in Fort Lauderdale the last Friday of March at Fusion from 6 to 9. Yeah, definitely we'll be there. All right, buddy. All right, you have a good one, and it was great talking to you all. Thanks for calling in. (laughs) This is area code 972. You're on the air. Hi, Dad. This is Michelle. How are you? All right. How are you, Michelle? (laughs) I'll tell you what, that damn bear is awesome. I, I totally love this story. I totally love your story. I love the energy that you bring. I'm so proud to have met you. And we are going to start. I'm going to start using that bear in a lot of the photo shoots that I'm doing. I'm definitely going to use the bear. I look forward to seeing you. And I will be there at the conference. So I'm going to go get one. Y'all know I had to walk two blocks. When we went to the ADAP conference, I had to walk two blocks to go get money off my card because I needed to buy the last bear that he had. <laughs> you got to have it once you see it. Once you see it, you got to have it. And it's just, you know, the fact of what it stands for, I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted oh. to be a part of that. Thank you so much, Michelle. You have a good evening. Bye, y'all. Love y'all. Take Bye care. Y'all. Love See you soon. I love me some Michelle. She's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys want to call us and speak with Dab, we've got about 20 minutes left in the show. Uh, you can reach us at 347-215-9442. You can also um, enter your questions in the chat room if you're too shy to call into the show. So, Dad, um, tell me oh, a little and bit one more about... thing. One more thing. Hold on, hold on. Yes. Don't forget to press 1 if you want to speak with us. It, it raises your little hand, and we can talk to you. Yes, and also lower your speakers when you call when you call yes, as well to There we go. Area code nine five four. Welcome back to the show. Is he there? How are you? This is Anthony, my friend of Deb. Oh, there's Hi, Anthony. Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you doing, Deb? All right, how are you, bud? I'm doing good. I'm just looking forward to Friday for both, um, to see you and uh enjoy ourselves with the uh, social group. Oh, uh, well, no, I am, too. Uh, we, Anthony um, runs a great program called BOLT here in South Florida, which stands for Bringing Our Lives Together. And the last Friday of the month, we have a social at a place called Fusion. And while it's not HIV-specific, a lot of the people that attend are HIV-positive, so it gives us like a, a social once a month for a local HIV community. And he does a great job. 
Well, it also allows us an opportunity to educate those that are not positive and not sure what HIV is. Right. Yeah, but one of the things I, I do appreciate is you are very um, specific about the, the um, giving support and the emotional part of it to people that are HIV positive through um, the Aids for a project, which is basically what I'm focused on, too, is that support. So I just, you know, you are a hero to me. You, you're something that I look at as wanting to be when I grow up. <laughs> so I just want to thank you for that. So thank you so much. Tell us to see you on your own Friday. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Now, that was where the spaghetti dinner was held, right, Dad? When we were down right. there? Right. I, I missed that. I was really upset. Me and Sherry Lewis were really hoping to get over to see you, and uh, we weren't able to get there in time. We just missed each other. It was a shame. I would have liked to have been there, but it just didn't work with the flights and everything being delayed. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was, when um, we first launched uh, Paz I Am, uh, you are one of the bloggers there, and you, we did this, uh, you know, where everybody blogged a video about the same thing. And one of the things that we talked about was coming out to our family that we were HIV positive. And you did a video, and I shared it on, on Facebook today, and got a lot of great responses from people. And you talked about how when you came, you know, told your family you were positive, you also came out as somebody, as a, as a gay man. Um, can you share a little bit about how that, what that experience was like coming out at both at the same time? Um, well, um, now you have to remember the doctors told me I probably only had a few weeks to live at that point because they didn't know any better. We still didn't even know how it was passed. Um, and the last thing, I'm very, very close to my family. I come from an Italian Greek family um, where everybody, you know, there's a ton of people around the table and you scream and have a great time. And I didn't want them hearing from somebody else when I died. So I flew home, literally at the dinner table. I, I'm usually, as people who know me, I'm usually very outgoing. I was being very quiet that night. And I was very emotional because I was working up to telling them. And I was going to actually wait till the next day. And my mom looked at me and she said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and it just blurted right out of my mouth. And I come from a southern military Catholic, Republican family. So I, even though I knew my family loved me, I did not know how they were going to take the double whammy. Oh, I'm gay, and by the way, I'm probably going to die in the next few weeks. Needless to say, our normally very loud and boisterous family got really, really quiet. I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord is the right word out of that one. <laughs> so I look over, and I see tears streaming out of my mother's eyes. My dad's looking down at his plate. My brothers are looking at each other, and no one's saying a word. And I was like, ooh, and then my mother finally broke the silence and gave me a hug, and she goes, I love you no matter what. And I was closest to my middle brother, who is now deceased, and he came and gave me a big hug. And Dad went off to his study because I could tell he needed a few minutes to process everything, so I knew to leave him alone <laughs> while he processed it. Because they, for whatever reason, I guess because in high school I kept up the versada being straight, he had no clue. And he, my parents didn't know any gay people. So they weren't quite sure, well, they knew what the word meant, but to them, gay was men running around in dresses and drag, which there's nothing wrong with people who wear dresses, you know, if that's, 
Well, you know, <laughs> I, I I believe everyone should be who they are. Right. And I have nothing against transsexuals. I have friends that are. I have friends that are drag queens. I have friends that are weather queens. You name it, I've got it. <laughs> but I, I knew that was his image. And it was like, no, I don't dress in dresses. I still play sports. I just happen to prefer men. Um, and after about 30 or 45 minutes, he came out and gave me a hug. They asked, is there anything you can we can do? Why don't you move back home? It's like, no, I think I need to be out there because if they're going to find out what this is, my best chance is out there where other people have it. Right. So we were in constant contact. I was hearing from them daily from mom several times a day, how are you feeling? You doing okay? Like, yes, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she flew out a couple of weeks later to make sure I was okay. And then my brother flew out. And I was very lucky because I already had a network of friends. Um, some wonderful people. Um, unfortunately, most of them most of my friends that I had passed away in the 80s or 90s. In fact, I think everyone's passed away now um, since Marty Delaney, and Marty wasn't even positive his partner was. Marty was one of our first leaders in the HIV community. He was a school teacher, and he taught people like me how to be activists. And Marty died from cancer been two or three years now. In fact, the award we give at the Positive Living Conference is named after Marty. Mm. Um, but I, my family has always been a huge source of support. Uh, my mom passed away in 2003 after a lengthy illness. And my dad is still my number one cheerleader. That's awesome. That is um, awesome. I talk to him every week. I visit as often as I can. In fact, uh, before the Positive Living Conference, I'm going to go stay with him a couple days before the conference and then a couple days after the conference before I come back to South Florida. Um, but I am very lucky because 90% of my friends in the 80s were disowned. The families didn't want anything to do with them. And mine have always been in my corner. And my dad is kind of my hero. Because <clears throat> my mother was ill for the last 10 or 15 years of her life. She had a series of strokes. And Dad had to retire early to take care of her. And literally the last five years of her life had to take care of her 24 hours a day. Mm. Now, that's that's true love. And I think I get my stubbornness about staying alive for my mom. Because they said she would never live as long as she did. Her whole goal was to make it to her 50th wedding anniversary. And she'd be all the odds, because they never said she'd make the 45th. And she passed away three months after their 50th anniversary. In fact, my last visit home, their anniversary was, let's see, the next to last visit home was Christmas. Their anniversary was in January. And I'm watching my mom, who at this point is blind, can barely see shadows, but she was following my dad from room to room. And my dad finally looked at her and said, what are you doing? And she looked at him and said she just wanted to spend every second she had left with the man she had loved a lifetime. Oh, 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 my 
my God. That's so beautiful. And I've seen my dad cry twice my entire life. The day his mother died and when I flew home for mother's funeral. Hmm. You know how to make someone get all teary-eyed over here. (laughs) Do it every time. Um, We are down to about 10 minutes so uh, left in the show. You got a question or a comment for Dad? You got ten minutes to give us a call here. Three, yeah, two, seven, Dad, two, stop. Five, my my eyeliner is running. Let's see. I, I count myself as so fortunate because I've gotten to have experiences that if you'd asked me when I was in high school, if I never thought that I would have participated in things like the first candlelight walk in San Francisco or breaking ground on the National AIDS Memorial in San Francisco, or chaining myself to the White House, or testifying to Congress to get Ryan White funding, or working with people like Senator Kennedy and other of our elected officials. I never dreamed that I would have people come up to me just to share their story. And I just count my blessings that I've had the life I've had. While I wouldn't wish HIV on anyone, I am so fortunate as a person with HIV and AIDS to be loved by so many people and am so grateful for it. And the biggest gift I get every year is the hugs the kisses and the thank yous from the kids when we do the Christmas parties for them. Because mm-hmm. most of our kids come from single family, single parent families, foster homes, or orphanages. Mm. And I've been told over and over for the past 22 years that without these parties, a lot of these kids would not get any Christmas presents. So that's why from all of our profits, see, at our project, no one gets a paycheck. Our directors, ambassadors of hope, volunteers, no one. Ninety percent of our profits go to the children's parties. Five percent goes to Lutheran Social Services, who sponsor our non, our um, 501c3. They're our physical agents. And 5% goes for the website, printing, and costs associated with running the project. Whereas most organizations eat up up to 50 cents of a dollar that they're given in administrative costs. Wow. Wow. I I mean, it's just, I, I could talk to you all night, Dab. Preferably not on the phone, but that's a whole other discussion. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I have to I have to laugh, otherwise I'd be sobbing in your ear. It's oh hey bay. Um so Deb, what's the what's the one thing that you know what's the one thing that you want our listeners to know? What's that one thing? that we didn't talk about tonight. Is that if you're newly diagnosed, HIV and AIDS is no longer a death sentence, but, and a huge but, we need you to get involved. Whether it's getting involved in your own health care and being an advocate for yourself or being an advocate for your local community, or being an advocate on the state or national level. And anyone that's listening to this, regardless of their HIV status, we need your help. When we send out emails or we post something on Facebook, we need you to call your elected officials. And if you don't know how to 
who your elected officials are. We even tell you how to find that out. We give you a paragraph of exactly what to say. See, all you have to do is make the phone call. And you won't actually be speaking to your elected official. You'll be speaking to one of their aides. So you don't have to worry, oh, I'm going to speak to Senator such and such. Even with my work at AARP, I don't get to talk to the senators that much. But when you're calling in, you're talking to a college graduate who's going to record why you're calling. And this makes the difference of whether or not we get funding to help people with HIV and AIDS stay alive. That's just, it's that just is, that simple. It is. It is simple, and 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 I think you're right. I, I think people do get um, gun shy, trigger you know, trigger shy, if you will, when they want to pick up that phone, and and it, you, you almost get stage struck a little bit, starstruck. You know, these people. You know, but what what I think a lot of folks forget is that. These guys work for us. We're their employer. So we should be calling well, that, them and telling them what to do. <laughs> well, see, that's it exactly. And, see, after I got called the faggot with AIDS from California by Senator Helms back in the 80s, after that, you know, I whipped my head around. And I was like, excuse me, that's Mr. Faggot to you. <laughs> after that, no one intimidates me. I mean, they're a human being just like you. They put on their pants one leg at a time. And without your vote, they don't get back in office. So when you're a constituent, they want to listen to you because their job, number one, is to get reelected. So it does really matter how many people call up. Yes, it does. Sure. That's exactly right. Wow, we are down to the very end. A few minutes left. Uh, Dad, I want to thank you so much for sitting and sharing your story with us again this hour. It is absolutely priceless, and it is the history that you bring and the realness of you can tell that it's all from your heart, everything that you do, and that you are really an angel among us, and I think that you are amazing, and I think that you you need to just know that. You need to know that you are deeply loved by all of us here and that you are such an amazing and you've helped so many people. It's You can't get so many thank yous. That's how many people you helped. Well, thank you all so much, and keep up the great work. It's because of people like you and Jeremy that will be the next generation of people carrying the torch that can let people like me and other 30 and 25 year survivor hopefully one day retire. <laughs> well, well, Deb, I, I honestly have to tell you, you've lit my flame. Well, it's my number one concern of why we started the Ambassadors of Hope is that we have that next generation to make sure that our community is taken care of. Absolutely. Right. So thank you all again so very much, and I look forward to seeing you all soon. I know you'll be at the Positive Living Conference, Robert. Yes, I will. Uh, So I'll be seeing you there, and hopefully you can make it also, Jeremy. I I will certainly try. You all have a great weekend. You too. Remember, folks, you can find more information on our tonight's guest at www.dabbyagesbearproject.com. Get your Dabby Aids Bear and start taking photos. We want to see it on Facebook. We want to see it on Pause.im. Um, show them, upload them, share them. What an Absolute. amazing man. Absolutely. Uh, I, I I get tickled every time I hear him. It's it's, it's just like it, it's, it's, it's literally priceless. It is. It really is, and and just so much. Hey, before we go, I want to say mm-hmm. one one other thing, um, and because I, I I've been promising, and and I I wanted our listeners to know that Pause I Am is sponsoring, um, is one of the sponsors for the House of Mercy AIDS Walk Walk for AIDS here in Charlotte, North Carolina, on Saturday, April ninth, two thousand eleven. Um, and they are still looking to meet their goal of around $34,000. So if anybody could, could uh, I'm going to post the link in the um, 
in the in the chat room, go out there and make a donation and um, help us um, keep up uh, this great hospice. Um, it's the House of Mercy, and uh, nine times out of ten, when somebody checks in, they don't usually get to live to see their way out. But it, they provide a great service, and that's that's what's important. So no, anyway, that's right. And don't forget to join us here next week. Uh, we'll be speaking with Sean Strube, the founder of Pause Magazine, and we'll talk about the amazing things that he has done for our community. Uh, you can learn more information on our guest again, dabbyagefairproject.com. More information on Jeremy at PositivelySpeaking.com. That's Positively with a Z. And more information on me and the radio show and past shows at PauseIM.com. Thank you all for tuning in. Jeremy, it was a great show. It was a great show. And, you know, it's, it's all because of who we, have, who we had on as a guest. Yes. So go get your dab's aids there. I want to see photos on Facebook. And <laughs> I just everyone. posted a new one that I took while we were on, on the air. Huh. That's awesome. All right, Jeremy, I'll see you next week. All right. Have a good night. Bye, everyone. Bye.